Uh, Welcome back to Guardrails. Um, This is week two in a series we're doing uh, about minimizing damage. Um, Probably everybody here, digitally or in the flesh, has uh, a relationship that they've had in the past that that you regret. I'm not talking about, um, well, it could be. It could be a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse. Um, but it could also be a coworker. Uh, it could be a friend. I don't remember how old I was. I think I was probably in the fourth or fifth grade when I met uh, Mike. Um, and Mike was not a good kid. I think originally my parents uh, were like, hey, he doesn't have friends. You should spend time with him. Um, and I quickly fell into Mike's trap. Mike had... Um, he had the Super Nintendo, which I did not have. And I subscribed to Electronic Gaming Monthly, EGM. And so I knew all of the games that I wasn't able to play because I didn't have a Super Nintendo. And Mike's parents, I, I thought I was poor growing up because I went to private school and I was surrounded by people who were upper middle to upper class. So I thought that I was poor. Obviously, I wasn't. Um, but Mike, I knew, was richer than I was because whenever a game that I was interested in came out, I would, you know, maybe talk about it at school. And within three days, he had a copy. And he's like, hey, Tom, want to come to my place? Check it out. I was like, uh, he was like a Venus flytrap. And I was the fly. This relationship, this uh, friendship with Mike lasted pretty much through high school. Uh, so, you know, six to eight years, uh, this kid was a part of my life. And he was a troublemaker. He did terribly in school. He was spoiled. He was disrespectful to his parents. He was, you know, he was, he was a loser. Let's just let's call it what it is. And very quickly on in my friendship, with, friendship in, my, uh, in my contractual relationship with Mike, uh, my parents were like, hey, you can't talk to us like that. That might work in his house, but it's not going to work in ours. Now, for the most part, I was, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't turn into Mike, uh, thank, thank heavens, because I had other friends, but I often reflect on how many hours I wasted, uh, spending time with him. And I wonder the extent to which, uh, things could have gone differently if I had remained in a, in tighter proximity with Mike. And there are other relationships I have in the past I won't share because they're, you know, PG-13 to rated R, um, that have this, had the same effect. Where I, I, I look back and I'm like, man, that, that was, those were pitfalls in my life. Places where uh, the car was going off the, the track. As you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about guardrails. Guardrails are uh, something that, that, that Jack Culp and his company have put together for the world to protect us. These are traffic devices right here and right here. On the screen, you have the, uh, the orange cones. I, I promised him I'd show off the, uh, the scorpion. Uh, today, where's the scorpion? This thing is sweet. Look at that. Uh, the scorpion. So basically, you you lay it down, and I think that those those yellow things are like they're like impact. So if the car crashes into them, the metal and then the the, the yellow things, which are probably filled with water, Jack, is that correct? Aluminum honeycomb, whatever that is. They have magical science, and what it does is it, it stops or slows down the car so that uh, impact happens, but you're safe, right? And that's what guardrails are about. They're about minimizing the damage. Man, what does a scorpion run, Jack? 
$8,000 a piece. Your tax dollars at work because, uh, you know, you know who's buying those things. Uh, and praise God because, you know, with, you know, without, I mean, so traffic's devices for the win and, and, and us too. Uh, so yeah, so they, 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 they smash in and they minimize the damage. And so guardrails, the traditional kind, I got these ones up here, the, the metal, the metal ones, you know, they, they, they keep the car. So that's bad. Your car is going to be damaged. You're not, you're going to have to like probably, you know, get a new something or other, but you're alive. The truth of the matter is that uh, our hearts are corrupted. They're hopelessly wicked. And really the only thing that can change our hearts is the Holy Spirit. It's God's Holy Spirit that when we receive uh, Jesus by faith, uh, Jesus' Spirit indwells us, and the Spirit can transform our hearts. But sometimes that takes a really long time. Sometimes it's ups and downs, it's hills and valleys, but it's not something we have control over. We participate with the Spirit, we accept the Spirit's guidance, but it's the Spirit that transforms our hearts. In the meantime, what we do have some control over is organizing our life so as not to go off the rails. We, we, can, we can put guardrails in place so that we don't fly off and explode and wreck. And today we're going to talk about proximity. The people in our lives who may or may not be sending us off into the ether. Let's take a look at the text for today. We'll skip the next slide. I'll go straight to the text. This is Proverbs 13, uh, adapted from a number of translations. You, obviously, breaks badly is something that I, you won't find that in any translation, but you'll, you'll see why. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools breaks badly. It's a really interesting text, and, and I, and I want to I wanna tear it apart because there's a lot going on behind the scenes in the Hebrew that I think are really, it's really valuable for us. So to begin with, whoever walks uh, and the companion, these are two different Hebrew words, but they mean the same thing. Uh, Hebrew poetry is, is, is and all the Proverbs are poetry, uh, very often has like a concept and then restates the concept with different words that mean the same thing. And one thing that you'll notice about the Bible is that when the Bible talks about who we spend our time with, one of the major metaphors the Bible uses is walking. Okay? The Bible's always talking about walking. And there's a reason for that. The reason is, is that in the ancient world, especially the Hebrew people, it was understood that if, you, if there was a rabbi or somebody who was in charge of teaching the young, uh, that person didn't just go to school and tell them stuff. He didn't just boot up Zoom and hope that the kids were watching on the laptop. Instead, what students did is they walked with, they literally followed him throughout his life. Okay, so a rabbi literally walked and his disciples literally followed him. And there was a reason, and, and the reason for that is because the rabbi wasn't just supposed to be imparting knowledge, okay? Wasn't just giving facts for, for, for these students to memorize, but was instead modeling a way of life so that in every sphere of life, the students would see how the rabbi lived. This is important because we know more now in the in, in the West. And I got a picture of uh, uh, Sarah Gaither. She's um, Sarah Gaither. She's biracial. Her dad's black. Her mom's white. 
uh, she, she works at, at Duke University, and all of her studies are about how, in the modern world, we live in these silos of social spaces, okay? And this was really obvious to her because when she would spend time with um, her dad's family, who are African-American, she found that the culture and the way that they, they interacted, the context, was very different than the way that uh, she lived and acted when she was with her mom's family. And in fact, there was almost, she, she discovered that she became a different person in these two social spaces, Right? And, and her research looked at, looked at the, the, the way that this happens all over our lives. And, and it's become really, really acute in the, in the world now in a way that it wasn't in the ancient world because we literally go from place to place and surround ourselves in radically different contexts, surrounded by radically different people. And human beings as social creatures tend to want to find a way to be comfortable to be at peace, to be on, in, on the inside with ever, whatever group they're, they're in. And so what, what happens is that we as people, we change who we are based on who we're around. And so for a lot of us, that means the office, right? You know, for those of us who, who, who work, you go to the office um, one, of the, one of the fascinating things about this show is that you never, ever, ever, ever see any of the characters in the office in a different context, right? They're always surrounded by the people in the office. Even when they go someplace, like Jim and Pam have a wedding, everybody goes to the wedding. We don't see, you know, Phyllis or anybody else uh, outside of the context of being amongst their coworkers. And there's a reason for that, because the characters that they inhabit will radically change. Jim and Pam are much different when they go home than they are when they're at the office. And, and it's the same with Michael, the same with all of the characters, and the same with us. Now, not everyone here works. Some of us are you know, stay-at-home moms, for example. But let me tell you, that's a job too, and it comes with its own set of context. So especially for people like uh, Jen and uh, Rebecca, um, who are here today, you, you know, your office might be Stony Brook Christian School, Okay. Uh, for Lindsay, it might be ILA. Okay, there, there's lots of different places that we can go where we're surrounded by people and they change us. Another uh, place that we, uh, we saw, especially with Sarah Gaylor, is the extended family. Right? Extended family is a big deal. Um, some of us are less you know, in contact with our families than others, and some of us have even you know, stopped hanging out with our families because they're a bad influence. Uh, but the family is a place where we find ourselves becoming different. And then, of course, when we play, right? You know, we, uh, rock climbing, somehow that became a thing here. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, the, the super muscular woman? Yeah, that's Rachel. Super, super in shape, super. <laughs> Definitely not me. Uh, yeah, rock climbing, that's a thing that people do now, which is bizarre, but whatever. You know, things change, and that's great. Good for you. Apparently, you all have, like, sculpted amazing bodies. Good job. That's awesome. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It could be anything. Dirt biking is also a thing. We have a lot of, we have a subculture of like active sports people here, which I don't get, but I encourage you and I'm for it. Um, but the, the interesting thing about the way we play is we tend to, and you know, if you're on a soccer team, right, and you're committed to that, you're going to be spending a lot of time with those soccer families. And if you're rock climbing, you're going to be spending a lot of time with the parents of other rock climbers. 
But I think probably the, uh, the most important silo, the place that we walk in life right now, um, and the one that's most shocking when we start to think about it, is our digital persona. If you haven't played Among Us, you're in the minority. It's so hot right now. It's like the Fortnite of 2020 and 2021. Um, we, we may not think about this. We may not be aware of it, but it's very true in a way that the Bible can't even conceive because there's no, there's no digital world in Scripture. And yet, and yet, if we're being very honest, the amount of time that we spend interacting digitally with people has created an entire subculture for us. And that's by design, Right? There are algorithms out there that are designed to see what you do and how you perform when you're on uh, various um, different apps, okay? So, for example, on Facebook, um, when you're scrolling, right, Facebook measures it when you stop. And they measure how many seconds you spend looking at a post. And then what they do is they, they re- record what you do after that post, what else you click on. And what they're doing is they're finding out what excites you, what angers you, what makes you sad, and most importantly, what doesn't bore you. Now, think about this. This is content that other human beings have created, right? So every time you're on Facebook or Instagram, they do the same thing. They have the same, very similar algorithms. And TikTok, um, I don't know the extent of Among Us, but when you're, anytime you're interacting with um, content that's created by other people, the algorithm is shuffling you into a, a new community. Right? You're becoming friends, you're becoming close to the people who show up more and more and more in your feed. Some of them might be angering you. Some of them might be affirming everything you think about everything. Others might be making you upset. But every single one of them is becoming a part of your community, and you are walking with them. And what's crazy is they can be on the other side of the world, but they're always one click away when you pick up your phone. There's a question we have to ask ourselves. What social spaces are we really inhabiting? And who are the people that we are walking with? It's really easy to see who you're rock climbing with. It's a little subtler to think about who you're TikToking with and Instagramming with. But be absolutely certain, whether it's Instagram or your favorite news aggregating website with or without comments, you are walking and doing life with the people on your screens. Now let's go back to the text. This is really cool. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Well, uh, English translations always supply this becomes wise, but it's actually not there in the Hebrew, depending on which tradition of the Hebrew text you follow. There's two different um, major traditions of Hebrew text. Almost always uh, we follow what's called the Leningrad Codex, which uh, dates from about 1003 AD. It's a complete copy of the Old Testament. And almost always in your Bible, when you open it up, that's the Hebrew on which your English is based. Now, in this verse... 
Uh, it's not, because the translators don't like the implications of following that ancient text. Okay? They like some, uh, they like one, other ones because it, it forces us to read a certain way. And I'll explain it this way. Uh, in, in the, the way that, uh, the way that it's, it's written up there, uh, I use the NRS because they follow the Leningrad co- uh, Codex, but if you look at other modern translations, especially the CEB, the NIV, um, it'll say something like this. Walking with the wise makes you wise. Okay? Walking with the wise makes you wise. Because the Hebrew there is very clear. It's like, if you do this, you become this. Okay? It's very explicit. Uh, this text, uh, on which this is based, the becomes has been added. Actually, the, uh, the, the, a wooden way to translate this Hebrew would be, uh, walking, uh, whoever walks with the wise is wise. Right? Is wise. Wise people walk with wise people. The reason this is controversial for translators is because that's ambiguous. It could be, it could be that walking with people turns you into someone, something like them. But it might also be you end up with the people you're already like. Wise people end up with wise people. Whoever walks with wise people is themselves wise. Or it could be, so that's one way to look at it, wise people hang out with each other. The other possibility is wise people, or you're not wise, you start hanging out with wise people, you become wise. You see the difference? The difference is very clearly shown in the 1985 John Hughes film The Breakfast Club. There's Emilio Estevez in the prime of his life. What happened to him? You'll notice that Emilio Estevez is wearing a Nike shirt. He's the jock, right? On the right is, uh, what's his name? Anthony Michael Hall. He's a nerd. On the left is Judd Nelson. He's a troublemaker. Uh, Ali Sheedy, is that her name? She's like a, a, a goth, you know, artsy girl. She's in the middle. Then, of course, Molly Ringwald. She's, she's the, uh, the popular girl, and you can tell because she's wearing expensive clothes. Just by looking at each one of these characters, we know where they fit in the world. Now, it's not as though Emilio Estevez's character walked into high school and said, where are the jocks? I want to be with them. No, he went to practice, and he started hanging out with jocks. It was just natural. It wasn't as though Judd Nelson was like, who's going to break the law? That's where I want to be. No, he found that he was rejected by most people, and so he ended up with a, a group of you know, losers. Ali Sheedy's character didn't go, where's the art? No, she was painting, and then she ended up with other artists. And similar for Anthony Michael Hall, similarly for Molly Ringwald. The point of the John Hughes story is you don't choose who you're going to end up with. It just sort of happens. You end up with the people who are al- you're already like them. And the interesting thing about The Breakfast Club is the point of the movie is that might have been a huge mistake. You might be missing out on a whole new world of people and relationships because you got slotted into the people you're already like. And that could be, that's one way to read this text. Wise people end up with wise people. Fools end up with fools. That's just the way it is. The other way to read this text is to think about becoming. And uh, I have here a picture of coursing. Coursing is a, uh, a vile sport. Invented by the Irish, of course. Uh, back in the day, the Irish would release... And the gypsies. Just the scum of Europe. Uh, they, they would release a dog, a vicious, hungry dog, after a rabbit. And the dog would chase the rabbit and, I guess, eat the rabbit if the, if the dog caught the rabbit. Gross! 
Uh, now you can see that they put things on their mouths. But one of the things interesting about this is that when the dogs were released, the dogs had no idea how fast they could be, how agile they could be, how quickly they could turn. How they, but but the, the idea of eating that rabbit gets them real charged up. And so they become things they never would have imagined. In 2005, I met uh, my friend Mike. He's the, the guy I write sermons with. And... Um, I met him in Greek class in seminary. And for the first few weeks, I never talked to him. He was just on the other side of the classroom. Uh, after the first Greek quiz came back, um, I noticed that he started sitting next to me. I was like, okay. Because you know, you know how it is when you're in a classroom, like no one ever changes their seats. It's like Scott always sits right there. Doug's always right behind them. Like once you find your spot, you never change. Like, if Mike Harrison's there, he'd be there, you know. There's Bob. Like, I could, I could just, I could put my eye, I could close my eyes and know where everyone's going to be. Uh, that's the same thing that happens in classrooms. But a, a, an egregious breach of etiquette. About, you know, two weeks in, Mike just appears right next to me. And he's like, so I saw that you got 100% of that Greek quiz. I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, hey, man, we should hang out. You, you should, uh, why, why don't we get some dinner or something, you know, get to know each other. I was like, what is this, a date? All right, sounds good. Uh, so, so, so we started hanging out, and, um, and it, it turned into an amazing friendship. I mean, Mike rescued me in a lot of ways. I was living in a very small single room on a bare mattress with trash everywhere, and he was like, nope, that's not going to work. He got me into like a, you know, a two-bedroom apartment with a friend of his. Really saved my life in a lot of ways. Um, little did I know that I was saving his too. When Mike was a kid, his dad said, Mike, you're not too bright. You're kind of stupid. You got a good work ethic, and you're charming, but that's not going to get you. You're kind of doomed. His dad was not a nice man until he found Jesus. So he said, Mike, what you need in your life is a rabbit. You need to find somebody who's better than you, who, who, who can be what you want to be, who can, who's doing the things that you wish you could do. And instead of wasting your time on your loser friends, go catch the rabbit. I didn't know it for a long time, but eventually Mike told me, he said, Tom, you're my rabbit. I'm not going to get through seminary unless I have somebody who's got way better, you know, studying skills than I do, who can help me worry. Look, Tom, you're a mess in a lot of ways, but you've got the book learning down. And I need that. Mike got an A- minus in Greek. I'm pretty proud of that. (laughs) And he became a lifelong friend. And in some ways, Mike is a lot wiser than I am. You can check out their website, Mercy Road, uh, Minnesota. Uh, that's his church in Minneapolis. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, I'm, you know, I have strengths and, and, and abilities that he doesn't. And it's, uh, it's when we come together that, that he becomes a little bit more like me and I become a little bit more like him. And, and that has been to the benefit of us both and the people in our lives that we love. You included.
And one way we can read this verse, and I think it's a legitimate way to read it, is to say, hey, you may not be wise in this way. You may not have these exact abilities and capabilities. You might not have developed these skills and habits. But if you start walking with the people who do, they'll, they'll come. Which brings up a question. What clicks are you in? What groups have you surrounded yourselves by, yourself by? And how are they changing you? How have they changed you? What rabbits do you have in your life? Is there anybody who you're chasing because you see that they have a spiritual or whatever life that, and habits that you ought to have and you know you should? Are you going after them? The last bit of the text, Breaking Bad. Uh, I obviously intentionally have, am referencing that, that show, Breaking Bad. Um, I watched like a couple episodes and I was like, this is just dark and horrible. But I know that some of you have you know, damaged your souls by, by watching it. Um, the, uh, and as far as the, Greek, or the, the Hebrew goes, this is actually a really good translation because uh, that, the word... Um, for uh, bad or evil can also mean breaking. So, like, if you have a broken heart, um, you can use this this word. Uh, but at the same time, you can also use it for like evil or trouble. Uh, so, some translations will say the the companion of fools gets into trouble or suffers harm. Um, I say breaking bad breaks badly because you're going along in life and you start hanging out with so and so, and pretty soon your priorities change and things go bad for you. If I'd spent all my time with Mike, not Good Mike, but bad Mike. There's two Mikes in the in the sermon. Former Mike, I could have, I would have broken badly. Interesting thing about that show. I mean, I read the Wikipedia on it, so I'm super well versed. Uh, the beginning, Walter, whatever his name is, um, he he's uh, he's got all of the values of like a successful middle class person. But then you start spending time with people who value things that are completely different. And over time, he starts to value those too. And over the course of way too many seasons, it destroys his family and ultimately destroys him. It doesn't take much uh, to know if somebody that you're with is a fool. They've already exposed it by just looking at their, if you just look at their lives. How are things going? If you know them long enough, you'll see that they're not going well. And if your click and your feed are populated by people like this, then chances are that you will break badly as well. Which brings up a question. I think. When Walter enters the world of, you know, making meth and selling it, what he finds is that the parts of his life, that, the parts of his heart that are really dark are affirmed and encouraged by his new friends. They're like, oh, you're becoming addicted to stuff? Great, that's awesome. 
Oh, you're turning on people as soon as they, you know, don't, you know, do what you want? Good. Betrayal is rad. Oh, your family is falling apart? Who cares? And so when you think about your people, the people in your feet, the people at your work, the people in your family, the people who are at your places of play, when you think about your cliques, when you think about your sphere of influence, are they accepting or encouraging or approving of your worst tendencies? Because if so, you might break back. So what we're talking about now is guardrails, okay? Guardrails. Um, in this context, what we're doing is we're, we want to set up uh, uh, some disciplines. You could call them rules, but that's like a... That's, uh, people don't like rules. Um, but really just, just guards, like places where you say, I'm not going to go there. If I stay away from there, I'm definitely not going to go off the road. And so I, I have a couple of questions. Maybe, maybe it's time to delete the app, okay? Maybe it's time. Uh, I know some of you uh, really struggle with this, and, and, and I, for a long time, I was addicted to Reddit, which is a terrible website, and I was being influenced by all the people who comment on Reddit, and they are the scum of the earth. Imagine, if you spend all of your time commenting on random websites, you are not a winner. You are, you are, you've, and if that's you, you can turn it around really quick, just, just stop it. It might be time to stop visiting that site. It might be time to delete that app. I, I took Reddit off of my bookmarks on my phone because it was tearing, it was bringing me down and it was making me think in ways I didn't want to think. And maybe it's time for you to be serious about that too. Or what about this? Number two, change your work environment. Um, if you're spending, you know, eight to ten to for the world workaholics, you know, 14 hours a day. Uh, is that environment good? Are you being, you know, surrounded by people who are elevating you or are they causing you just, and again, I, this counts, Rebecca, I know that you're a stay-at-home mom. Your work environment is that school, okay? So you don't get a pass on this, all right? If you feel like they're te tearing you down, you can walk right over here to, to see me and Colleen, and we will build you up. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Do you, is it time to make a change there? Spend less time? Maybe even think about a work change, like a huge career change? That's okay. Whatever you're doing, like, if, if, it's, if it's causing you to, like, end up with those people, don't do it. Number three. Is it time to stop spending time with so-and-so? And this can be by text, it can be by... But you might need to set up some rails and say, I know that when I'm with this person, I am not the person that God is calling me to be. And I just, it's fun, and she or he is so cool, and everybody likes them and respects them, and they have all the things that I want, and yet, I know that I'm not who I'm called to be when I am with him or her. That might be hard. It might be hard to set up and say, no, this is how it's going to be. Number four. Self-explanatory. And again, I, I want to emphasize that these are guardrails, okay? You can't change your own heart. You can, 
You can set yourself up, and you can pray, and you can ask God. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Transformation of, of, of the heart is from the Spirit. And, and, and I, we want that. We're waiting for that. We're begging for that. But in the meantime, let's, let's set up some, some rails here and be like, am I being with some, are the people I'm spending time with better than they were 10 years ago? Are they closer to Christ than they were 10 years ago? Are they just in the same rut? Because if so, number five, last. Do you have a rabbit? Is there somebody that you know, if you just got closer, things would change? Well, guess what? It's not going to happen magically. Remember, Mike was on the other side of the classroom. He saw that I got 100% on Greek. He took the initiative. He's, he came over. He's like, hey, buddy. You've got to initiate. You've got to say, I am going to make a change here. I need this because I'm, I know that I'm in danger of going off the rails. I want somebody that I know I can trust. And, I, and, you, and we have to, to step out and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to expose myself. I'm going I'm I'm to go for it. And prayerfully, I'm going to hope that, that God's going to let this rabbit, you know, let me chase this rabbit and become the, the wise person that I want to be because I don't want to break bad. Imagine. Think back to all those relationships that you regret. Look forward to the person that you want to be. If everyone here, at, at online, at home, here in the flesh, if everybody here said, that's it. I want to make sure that I'm not surrounding myself with people who are going to destroy me. And instead said, God, I want to be after people who are going to Lead me to uh, the place that you want me to be. God, I want you to transform me, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so I want to set up these, ru- these rules so that I don't end up elsewhere. If we all did that, imagine how things would change. Let's pray. Gracious God, we admit, God, that we're people who we just end up in places and we don't even know how we got there. We end up with people that (laughs) we know they're not good for us. But God, we do want to be wise. We don't want to break bad. God, expose the places, the spheres of our life, whether they're digital, whether they're, they're, they're silos of workplaces, of family, place, places where we're just... We need to put up guardrails. We need to make some changes. In this new year, God, may we surround ourselves with rabbits. May your spirit transform our hearts as we go and chase those who will turn us into people that are like you. Father God, give us wisdom to know where the wise people are. Lord Jesus, continue to cleanse our hearts. Bring us to a place of repentance and change. And Holy Spirit, please give us the power and the insight and the transformation to make 2021 different. 
We trust you, God, to make us a people who seek after you and become like you as we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.